This week in KMA Land, December severe storms are KMA Land's humbug. Shenandoah and Page County are among hardest hit areas. Tornadoes skirt Cass and Pottawatomie counties. Thousands of KMA Land residents lose power. And fire destroys a legendary downtown Malvern business. I'm Mike Peterson. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, or in the words of Ebenezer Scrooge, Bah Humbug. Instead of Christmas music, KMA Land residents heard this sound this week. The sound of chainsaws operated by individuals trying to clear debris at a blocked Shenandoah intersection drowned out a nearby church bell's playing of jingle bells. Cleanup operations were in order following a storm for the ages. A rare December bout with severe weather Wednesday afternoon, complete with high winds and even some tornadoes. It happened at a time of the year when snow and ice are the weather norms. The National Weather Service officials warned of an unprecedented storm days ahead of Wednesday, issuing high winds, watches, and warnings. Early Wednesday morning, National Weather Service meteorologist Taylor Nicolaison spoke of growing confidence towards severe weather. These storms are, are going to have the capability of doing that, and, and what concerns me is that these storms are going to be moving very quickly just because of the wind. This whole system is just is just moving in a hurry. So any fires that develop are going to be moving very quickly, but any uh, severe storms that develop are going to be moving quickly, or any tornadoes uh, that develop will be moving a lot faster than they normally would be. Sure enough, like a wintertime zephyr, a potent squall line began its fast, destructive trek mid-Wednesday afternoon. Oto County was one of the first area counties hit by storm activity. Oto County Emergency Management Coordinator Greg Goble tells KMA News the storms picked up speed after entering his county shortly after 3.30 p.m. Um, starting on the west end with Palmyra, Unadilla, Syracuse, all the way into Nebraska City, every one of those small communities suffered some form of tree damage, um, from small limbs to large trees being toppled, branches being broken. I'm really surprised we had a very minimal amount of structure damage in these communities. Um, Goble says the worst damage occurred in rural areas. Houses. Um, in the rural communities, we had a couple farmsteads that lost outbuildings, a couple barns were blown down, and some power lines were taken out. Fremont County was one of the counties next in the firing line. Fremont County Emergency Management Coordinator Mike Roselius says high winds left a similar trail of damage in his county. We've got a lot of tree limbs down in yards and on rooftops. Uh, there's been some damaged grain bins out on the outskirts of town. We have power lines down, uh, power poles that have been snapped, and I'm aware that there, I believe it is six tractor trailers that overturned on the interstate. Page County was the next to feel the storm's wrath. With the onset of daylight, County Emergency Management Coordinator Chris Grieber was out surveying the damage left by that squall line rolling through the county shortly after 5 p.m. Wednesday. In addition to massive tree damage in Shenandoah, Clarinda, and Essex, among other places, Griebert told KMA News he was surprised by the amount of structure damage in the county. Well, the damage I've seen, I think we have a lot more structural damage. I've seen a number of houses and some barns, a lot of storage sheds and stuff that have been uh, damaged with the wind. Uh, we didn't have those previously that I saw, so I think the damage here is a lot worse than what we've had in the previous times. While Mid-American Energy crews were busy working to restore power, Griebert says county crews tackled issues of a different sort. I know the county roads department's out. They're trying to replace mainly right now the stop signs on all the county roads to make sure that the stop signs are up. Those are the most important we got right now to make sure people can, can see those. 
but uh, they're they're out uh, taking uh, a detailed report of all the the damage they have in the county for signs and whatnot. So. We're, we're out and about doing our thing. Downed trees and power lines littered Shenandoah streets. Shenandoah City Administrator A.J. Lyman tells KMA News it was all hands on deck for the city in the wake of the storms. The street and water and wastewater department and parks departments are out right now uh, trying to get the roads open as best they can. Uh, they're not touching anything that has power lines in it. We're waiting for Mid-American to, to do what they got to do. No, we don't want anybody to, to get hurt with that. Uh, but they're they're clearing up uh, what they weren't able to get to last night as far as roads go. Lyman asked for local residents' help with the storm cleanup operations. We're asking folks to, the, on their personal property, uh, you know, obviously take pictures of any damage, you know, call your insurance uh, to, to discuss any property damage there. But as far as the brush goes, if you uh, pile it up on the parking area, uh, try to keep it as far away from your mailbox and your uh, water shutoffs, if you know where those are, as possible. Uh, and then street crews will be going kind of neighborhood by neighborhood to to scoop that stuff up and, and get it out of there. Cass County, meanwhile, suffered a nearly eight-mile stretch of damage from Wednesday's storms. Cass County Emergency Management Coordinator Mike Kennan says his county was dealing with sporadic power outages after they started to get the brunt of the storm around 5.30 Wednesday evening. Probably about 5.30, um, I believe, when when that uh, storm front was going through. Um, we had set off all our sirens throughout the county for when the tornado warning uh, uh, spun up. But uh, we had somebody, actually it was a, a Cass County deputy, actually spotted a funnel cloud uh, west of Atlantic, and uh, um, that really had us ramped up. After surveying the damage Thursday morning, along with spotted reports last night, Kennan strongly believes a tornado touched down, and the strong winds impacted several motorists on Interstate 80. So we're, we're kind of uh, developing a path here um, from by the airport west of Atlantic, and it goes clear to the interstate. We had nine... We had nine um, semis that rolled over on the interstate, so uh, we kind of got the interstate littered with uh, with uh, vehicles up there as well. Pottawatomie County also felt the impact of the historic December storms. Pottawatomie County Emergency Management Director Douglas Reed says his county had at least one confirmed tornado touchdown and a potential second. Reed says crews were assessing multiple portions of the county after a confirmed tornado touched down in the county's western portion near the Interstate 80 corridor. It started somewhere around uh, Council Bluffs area and went uh, north towards the Underwood, Neola, Minden areas. Um, so we've got crews out doing that now after we've looked at some of our uh, uh, damage reports from this morning, kind of charted some areas to look at. Uh, we'll have another crew uh, that'll be leaving here probably within an hour to go out to the east end of the county where we believe we had a a, uh, um, a second tornado touchdown. Reed says the second possible touchdown was northeast of the Henderson area and tracked northeast with damage reported as far north as Walnut. Reed says most damage has been limited to utilities and buildings away from homes. Uh, most of what we've seen impacted are kind of uh, utility or outbuildings. Um, in, in the areas that had uh, possible tornadoes or, or just the, the high winds that we had uh, from the storms. You, you know, we see that from one side of the county to the other. Uh, not in great numbers um, at this point, but we're also just kind of, you know, 
getting into the uh, the day after when people have had time to look around their properties and assess things. With storm speeds over to 80 miles an hour, Reed says it can be challenging to give emergency personnel and residents enough time to respond. However, he attributes accurate forecasts and preparedness to the county's and National Weather Service's ability to respond quickly. The way it shaped up, the accuracy, the forecast, the, the pre-incident coordination um, between uh, community partners and emergency management offices in the region uh, allowed us to uh, put out warnings much earlier um, and, uh, and, and, that, and that helped in our estimation. So. We, we probably sounded sirens uh, a good 20 minutes before we had a tornado warning. Down trees and power lines created a rash of power outages across KMA land. Mid-American Energy spokesman Jeff Greenwood tells KMA News severe storm utility repairs are unusual for this time of year. We're used to high wind events here and there, but this was unusual in that it was a sustained high wind. And then we had uh, to add insult to injury, some severe thunderstorms and an outbreak of tornadoes overnight. So um, this wasn't isolated to one city or one region. It was really the whole state that was under the gun overnight. Though massive power outages reported in communities like Fort Dodge, Waterloo, and Oskaloosa, Greenwood says southwest Iowa's systems suffered heavy damage from the storm. In southwest Iowa particularly, uh, we are seeing wires down, poles down, some transmission lines down as well. When you have a high wind event like this, it can affect overhead lines, trees go down on lines, and in some cases, one will take down another that'll take down another and so on, kind of like a domino effect. Crews work through the wee hours of the morning to make repairs, often braving continuous high winds. Greenwood, however, warned restoring power to all customers would take time. Greenwood says MidAmerican prioritizes repairs through a pyramid system. With transmission lines, they tend to serve a lot of customers, and we'll focus on those first, whether we can repair it or whether we can switch uh, the circuit. And in, in essence, you're moving another circuit to get electricity to the same location. But we also prioritize facilities such as uh, hospitals and water treatment and public safety those types of facilities get the highest priority to restore service. And then uh, we move down to the smaller circuits and then uh, then to individual service lines, which may just affect one customer. It may affect several more customers, but that's kind of the order in which we restore our, our service to customers. Now, some customers were still without power as of this broadcast, and customers can continue to monitor the progress of repairs and report any further outages on the MidAmerican website, and there's a link with the web story at kmaland.com. Unprecedented was the word weather forecasters used to describe the epic round of severe storms rolling through KMA land late Wednesday afternoon. Weatherology forecaster Kara Foster tells KMA News she was amazed at the accuracy of the forecast. We were kind of worried about that since uh, the snowstorm we had a, about a week ago was a lot more than we expected across the Midwest. So we were trying our best to uh, keep everyone as updated as possible. And it was as crazy as we were we were thinking it was. It kind of seemed hard to believe. In a month associated with winter weather, Foster says a severe weather event in December is unusual. We can see maybe this stuff starting to happen in October, November. Um, but really in December is when, you know, winter is supposed, supposed to start taking form. And especially since we've had such a very dry year 
and uh, you know we had a drought over the summer. Um, we haven't had too many uh, snow events throughout this winter yet, and then of course it just throws tornadoes at, at us. So it's just a very interesting change of events here. Lost in the carnage of Wednesday's storm are the record high temperatures set across the region. Shenandoah set a new record high of 73 degrees, breaking the previous record for December 15th, set in 2002 by 8 degrees. This week's other top story involved a disaster of a different sort, the loss of a legendary business in Mills County. Get off the roof. Everybody off the roof. Evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Get off the roof. That warning issued to firefighters battling the fire that consumed Mulholland Grocery at 409 Main Street in Malvern. Mills County Emergency Management Coordinator Larry Hurst tells KMA News the county's communications center received a call shortly after 5.30 late Monday afternoon from a store employee reporting a fire in back of the building. I think they initially had thought that somebody reported to them, hey, there's a fire out back of your store here, and they thought it was some sort of trash or cardboard or something. And so they had attempted with fire extinguishers to go out and put it out. Well, they soon realized that it was into the building and it was bigger than they thought, so then they called uh, Mills County Communications. After establishing a command center upon arrival, Hearst says Malvern firefighters realized they needed help from surrounding agencies. Once they sized the scene up, they realized that they not only had home grocery uh, in, in getting engulfed in flames from the lower level to the main floor and up above to the threat to adjoining uh, businesses that were uh, to the south and to the north. So it quickly uh, generated uh, additional calls to Mills County Communication asking for additional responses from not only within the county, but the, another, the four-county area, basically. 29 area agencies responded to the scene, including 22 fire departments, three rescue units, two emergency management agencies, and Mills County Sheriff's Office. Hearst says securing adequate water supplies was a major challenge. We ended up hauling water uh, from uh, multiple areas, uh, from Glenwood, Emerson, uh, Tabor, and, of course, there in Malvern, uh, and Hastings, in fact, uh, because the uh, water in, in Malvern, we were, uh, we were putting a large demand on their system. Hearst says firefighters brought the fire into control at around 11 p.m., but Malvern's unit stayed at the scene until early Tuesday morning, extinguishing hot spots. Hearst says the Mulholland building is a total loss, and some adjoining businesses suffered damage. There is a lot of water in the basements of some of these buildings. Uh, some of the uh, adjoining basements are, are kind of, you know, they're joined together, not much wall space, so there was a lot of water, several feet of water, in the basement. So there's going to be a lot of reclamation, a lot of engineering inspections going to have to take place uh, over here in the next couple of weeks. Hurst says he's proud of not only the all-hands-on-deck approach to the fire from various agencies, but also the Malvern community's response. The community Malvern stepped up uh, from uh, uh, restaurants to churches to the booster club, you name it. They came forward and brought food and hydration for those firefighters and response personnel so that when they got some crew rest uh, away from the fire, which was not very much, uh, they uh, had a place to go and and get rejuvenated and put back on the front line. So I'm pretty proud of the whole, the whole evolution last night and all the cooperation we got from everyone. Longtime store owner Tom Mulholland described the moment fire broke out in his store in an interview with KMA News two days later. I had gone home not too long before that and received a phone call from one of my employees frantically saying I needed to get back down to the store. And then he added that there was a fire. Uh, I rushed out the door. I 
ran down to the store and went in the front door to see where the issues were, what was going on, if there was anything that I could do. I grabbed a fire extinguisher and headed for the back room, but at that point the smoke was so thick I, I couldn't even see the flames. Every now and then I'd catch a tiny bit of a glow from one place or another, but the smoke was so thick and so dark that it was covering all of that up even. I emptied the fire extinguisher in those directions and knew that I couldn't do anything else. I grabbed a couple of things and, and ran out the front door. I laid my keys down someplace as I went in and, of course, lost those also. I had to get a ride home from someone later on to get a second set. I did go around the back of the building a few minutes later and look from that side. There were already two fire trucks there in each end of the alley. One of the firemen had laid a hose up on my loading dock. I checked the back door and it did not feel hot. The doorknob did not feel hot. So I opened the back door, could see huge coils of flames coming up the back wall and I sprayed them with the fire hose myself. And that just caused a lot of things to shoot back towards me. I got a burn on my hand, which is nothing, but you know, there was nothing that could be done at that point. As of late this week, the cause of the fire had not been determined. Well, COVID-19 continues to make its presence felt in KMA land. Page County Public Health this week released its latest COVID-19 information, including 22 new cases on Monday. With the new cases, Page County's 14-day positivity rate rose to 10.7%, of the county's vaccination rate stood at 53.4%. Meanwhile, another KMA land county reported a lull in cases, Montgomery County Public Health Administrator Samantha Beeson told KMA News her county recorded just a 5.9% positive case rate over a seven-day span. Beeson says current numbers indicate another low, especially compared to this time last year. So I would say we are in a low kind of slump right now. Um, about a month ago, we were running between 10 and 12% on our 14-day and 7-day. Um, so this is relatively low for us right now. I know people are testing. Um, we have sent orders for people who are symptomatic, and their tests have come back negative. So I know there's other little bugs out there right now. As of earlier this week, the county's 14-day positivity rate totaled 6.8%. Beeson says 52.8% of Montgomery County's residents were fully vaccinated. All over 91% of the 65 and older population were fully immunized. Beeson says that second figure could be contributing to a lower case count. I think it has played um, a big factor in our you know, positive cases that have come up. We're seeing right now, um, this last week, most of our cases have been between the ages of 40 and 49. Uh, so we're seeing most of those cases in the younger um, generation. Well, the county still has multiple locations to get vaccinated. Beeson says no large-scale public vaccination clinic is scheduled for now. After a two-month search, the city of Shenandoah has a new park and recreation director. Meeting in regular session Tuesday night, the Shenandoah City Council, by unanimous vote, 
ratified and approved the rates and salary for Kevin Olson as the new Park and Recreation Director. A Shenandoah native, Olson succeeds Chad Tmeyer, who resigned in October to accept a similar position in Carroll. Olson tells KMA News he is very excited to serve a new role for his hometown. Very excited about it. I'm born and raised in Shenandoah. Uh, I've always known who the Parks and Rec Director is in Shenandoah since I was a young child. So uh, I think it's a really important position in Shenandoah, and I'm just looking forward to trying to do do my best to make sure uh, Shenandoah has a really good Parks and Rec department and program. The council approved the setting of Olson's pay at $23.32 per hour, suitable for a $48,500 annual salary. City Administrator A.J. Lyman told KMA News Olson had a wealth of background knowledge that the Park and Recreation Board felt qualified him for the position. Kevin's been running the Elks Youth Wrestling Program for about the last eight years. Um, uh, He organized the adult uh, softball up in Imogene. Uh, He was you know, the mayor of Imogene for a term, I believe, uh, you know, so he's familiar with some city finance and city operation stuff. Olson Oz also run a small business at Imogene's Emerald Isle for over a decade. Lyman says the board also felt this added to his resume for the director's position. Lyman says the position can demand a person wear several hats to manage everything else on top of the city's 18 parks. We've got a pool, we've got a fitness center, um, got a golf course, we've got the, the Memorial Armory, we've got uh, a giant park uh, just west of town called Manti Park. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of ins and outs, a lot of coordinating with the schools, uh, with coaches, with parents, with players, with all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a lot of different hats to wear. It's a lot of you know, grounds maintenance. Olson is expected to begin work with the city in his new role on Monday. Discussion continues on the future of Page County's safety program. Meeting in regular session Tuesday, the county's Board of Supervisors held a discussion on the management of the county's employee safety program going forward. In 2019, the county hired a full-time safety coordinator but then reduced the position to part-time this summer while simultaneously agreeing to a deal with safety consultant Mark Schaefer of SPR Direct in Davenport. Supervisors Chair Chuck Morris says the county's recent focus on safety was in response to rapidly growing workers' compensation claims, which have improved. As we implemented the safety program right in that that time frame before, we had a fellow who was trying to clean tires with a machete slit his hand open. We had uh, a driver uh, on a brand new hoe tip it over didn't have a seat belt on. We had a driver of a sand truck go off in a ditch, which can happen, no seat belt. So it, it's kind of a culture issue. The county's previous safety coordinator resigned in July, leaving Schaefer as the only person dealing with safety programs and training in the county from his consultant role. Currently, Schaefer is paid between $800 and $1,000 per month, depending on travel expenses. Supervisor Jacob Holmes says he's heard county employees say they would like someone in-house in some capacity. A few employees say they'd like the idea of a, more than Mark of a local or somebody just doing it that's actually, I mean, just to, you know, like, a, but then I, I can't remember, and I'll ask them again, most counties, I think, just have a, a piece, somebody just gets paid a little extra for handling that and being the one that's the expert on it. But I don't know that most of them had a full-time person that I remember, even bigger counties. 
Supervisor Alan Armstrong says he would favor a model that adds safety coordination onto the duties of current employees. He suggests having at least one safety coordinator in the secondary roads department, which sees the highest number of claims. If we had somebody in that department, we'd almost have to have somebody out of the courthouse also that was willing to uh, promote the training that's necessary for, for those employees also, because there are a certain, certain number of things that need to be done on a yearly and basis, whatever it might be, but there's a lot of safety training that requires participation by all the staff. More discussion is expected at a future supervisors meeting. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.